Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. deposited a word in my spirit uh, that I could not get out of the grasp of. It is recorded twice in the book of Proverbs. We're going to read the rendering in Proverbs 16.25 in the King James Version. I'm also going to read it in the New International Version. You will find the same verse in Proverbs 14 and 12. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. In the New International Version, there is a way that seems right to a man. In the end, it leads to death. I want to spend a little time sharing with you around the theme, avoiding life's dead ends. I want to preach about avoiding life's dead ends. This text comes from the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs is considered categorically in terms of the genre or the type of literature in the Bible as wisdom literature or the wisdom writing. There are no moving narratives in Proverbs. There are no stories. Uh, There are no underlying plots. There are no compelling characters. But what we have are just wise sayings. They are compiled in 31 chapters. In fact, I believe there is an intentionality to the compilation of Proverbs because you can read one chapter a day. And in 31 days, you can read all of Proverbs. I don't think that's by accident. Most expositors believe that at least 3,000 of the Proverbs were written by Solomon, the king of Israel. From what history tells us about King Solomon, he ruled Israel during what would be considered a golden age or era. When he ascended to the throne, some of you know this story, he was given a choice by God to ask God for anything that he would like. I wonder how we would do with that. He was given a choice. He was given a blank check by God to ask God for anything that he wanted. And what Solomon asked God for is wisdom. He asked him for wisdom. And because he asked for the thing that was most important, most primary, most valuable, God gave him everything else. What we see in that passage is really a demonstration of Matthew 6.33. If you seek first... The kingdom of God and his righteousness, all the other things that you want or need will be added unto you. 
So often we put the proverbial cart before the horse. Solomon asked for wisdom. While his father David gathered all the resources, all the materials to build the magnificent temple in Jerusalem, it fell to Solomon to complete the task. And history records that he was one of the most wealthiest and most powerful men that ever lived. His wealth, his position, his power, his prominence allowed him to experience every imaginable pleasure and enjoy every possible comfort. And it's from this vantage point, the vantage point of being able to do whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it, and however you want to do it, that he write the Proverbs. It's not a vantage point that the average person enjoys. And for this reason alone, I believe that the Proverbs merit our attention and our application. The verse we consider today occurs, as I've said to you already, twice in the book of Proverbs. And I'm sure there's some rationale, there's some significance to this repetition, to this reiteration in the book of Proverbs around the reinforcement and the amplification of a vital message that's recorded in this short verse. In one instance, in chapter 14, verse 12, the verse appears around the idea of the disparity or the contrast between the fortunes of the wicked and the fortunes of the righteous. In the context that we are looking at today, these words occur as a kind of addendum, as a kind of footnote to a passage that deals with constructive communication. The power of positive and pleasant words. But the fundamental truth is, and this is what I want you to get your head and your hearts around. The fundamental truth is this, that our choices in life, our decisions in life have consequences. Life is a path. Life is a road. It's a highway that we take. And let me tell you some wrong turns can be costly. Wrong, wrong turns can be deadly if you end up in the wrong place at the wrong time. So we must choose our way carefully and prayerfully lest we end up in life at a dead end. So when I saw this in the text, I've read this verse many times, but when I saw this particular thrust and theme in the text, I began to ask some questions of it question I asked is this. What do we do? Or what must we do, I should say, to avoid life's dead ends? And when I asked the text that question, it said three things to me. First of all, if you want to avoid life's dead ends, you have to choose the way and not a way. The text says there is a way. But if you want to avoid life's dead ends, you must choose the way and not our way. The writer launches this verse around the words, there is a way. Now implicit in this statement, just this part of the verse, 
Implicit in this part of the verse is the idea that we have choices in life. And those choices set us on different paths, on different roads that take us to different places and different destinations. But there's not a person in here that would not like to have one decision back. Because we all have learned painfully sometimes that hindsight is always 2020. You get the same sense, you know, that Paul is dealing with this tension in his own life, in his own ministry. When he writes these words to the church at Philippi, he says, forgetting those things that are behind. I press on toward the mark of the prize of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. You hear the tension in his voice, in his words recorded to us for antiquity. When he says, I'm trying to forget. And when you get under that, you realize that he wasn't always Paul. He was called Saul. And he was a Pharisee. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. And he violently and he vigorously persecuted and prosecuted the church. He was standing there when Stephen, the first martyr of the church, was stoned to death. Holding the coats of those who threw the rocks. And he thought he was right. This is why this passage speaks to us with such urgency and relevance. You can think you're right when you all kinds of wrong. He believed he was right until the Lord accosted him, arrested him the Damascus road and he found out he had hit a dead end and later he would say you know it's possible this is a malady that can affect and afflict church folk it's possible to have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge it looks good it sounds good but it's not according to knowledge not according to God So we make decisions that sometimes place us in dead-end situations. We all deal with menacing memories, disastrous decisions, painful patterns that we're trying to forget and leave behind. So at the time, when we made the decision to seem like the way, but it turned out to be just a way. A job that you thought was all of that, it went south. A friendship that failed. A marriage that went south. A child that decided to do it his or her way. A ministry that floundered. A financial decision that backfired. You thought it was the way, but it was just a way. A recent article in the USA Today caught my attention. The article reported how in France, a fleet, a new fleet of 341 trains 
had been ordered for the state-run railway system. 341 new trains ordered for the state railway system. But there was just one problem. The trains will not fit in 1,300 of the 8,700 railway platforms. Somebody forgot to measure. It will cost France $69 million, and I suspect somebody's job, to fix that problem. Somebody here this morning, relationally, spiritually, vocationally, personally, you're dealing with a situation and the train don't fit. Because when you choose our way rather than thy way, you might roll through 6,500 stations. But sooner or later, you're going to hit one where where the train don't fit. So if you want to avoid life's dead ends, the first thing, I think it's in the text, is that you have to choose the way and not our way. The second thing is that you have to choose God's way and not my way. You got to choose God's way and not my way. See, the first movement of the text deals with prerogative. It deals with choice. It deals with decisions. And just as in the garden, there were a number of voices that Adam and Eve could respond to in life. There are a number of choices that you and I can make. But we have to make sure they're the right choice. The second movement of this text deals not so much with prerogative or choice, but it deals with perception and understanding. In fact, the Hebrew word translated seemeth right. Two words are needed to translate the Hebrew word, which means to be straight upright, pleasing, or even. Listen to the message paraphrase of our verse today. There's a way that looks harmless enough. Look again. It leads straight to hell. There's a way that looks harmless enough, but you better look again. It leads straight to hell. Looks or appearances can be deceiving. Particularly when the primary focus is our limited frame of reference. And what it does is results in faulty thinking. I really am amused by the story about the four people who were on a plane that uh, engine failed and they were in danger of crashing. In fact, the plane was going down. When the engine failed, the pilot jumped up, grabbed parachutes. I'm the pilot. I own the plane. I deserve one of these parachutes. Put it on, jumped out. There was a professor on the plane and a pastor and a hiker. The professor said, I'm brilliant. By the world standard, I'm brilliant. They need my intelligence. He grabbed a parachute, put it on, and jumped out. Left the pastor and the hiker Pastor, having the pastor's heart, said, I don't want to be selfish. He looked at the hiker. He said, you take the last parachute. He said, you take it. 
I don't need it. Hiker said, I don't need it either. He said, because the professor took my backpack. <laughs> Some of us, we think we got a parachute. And all we have, oh, it's a good looking backpack. Oh yeah, it looks good. It looks good hanging up in the closet. It looks good driving up into the driveway into it. It looks good when you, when you roll around the neighborhood in it. But all it is, is a backpack. The world will look at it and say, oh, you somebody, but it's just a backpack. Only what you do for Christ will last. The world will give you a backpack and it'll tell you that that's all you need. The world will tell you all you need is success. All you need is money in the bank. All you need is a good job. But I'm here to tell you it won't take you the whole distance. The devil will tell you that all you need to do is be in church, be in ministry, but you better be saved. And salvation and membership are totally two different things. Because you can have membership without no relationship. I love that hymn that says, be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips a solid rock. And that rock is Jesus. What seems right to us in this text is not the primary concern. What matters is what's right to God. One of the wisest persons in my ministerial career, Dr. E.K. Bailey, said once to us preachers at his conference, he says, don't ask God to bless what you're a part of, but you become a part of what God is blessing. You want to find out what God is blessing, and then you become a part of it. Dr. Bailey would say it this way. He said, you find the wave that God is using and then you put your surfboard on it and you surf it. But my way is not the theme you want to have in your spiritual life. You want to say to God, not mine, but thine. I'm going to move to the uh, third point. I think y'all have got these first two points. If you want to avoid life's dead ends, choose the way and not what? Our way. In the second instance, choose what? God's way and not what? You don't want to have a backpack when God's giving you a parachute. Here's the third one. And my preacher's imagination kind of kicked in here and our performing art folks, they will appreciate this. You want to avoid life's dead ends. Here's the third one. Choose the freeway and not the toll way. Choose the freeway and not the toll way. This passage begins with way, but it ends with ways. Listen to it again. There seemeth a way, singular, and that's the way it is in the Hebrew. There's a way that seemeth right unto man, and by inference, man and woman. But the end thereof are the what? 
ways of death. There's not an accident here. Your way will issue in some ways. And when the Bible speaks of ways in this context, it is acknowledging the fact that death has many facets and many forms in the word of God. If I had time, I could walk through the seven different kinds of death. See, most of us think death is when you're not breathing. You can be breathing and dead. You can be living good and dead. You can be eating three squares and dead. That young boy who said to his daddy, I'm going to do it my way. And went into a far country and wasted his substance on riotous living. You know what his daddy said about him when he came home? He says, this my son was dead. But now he's, he wasn't dead physically. But he had removed himself from his father's love, his father's care, his father's provision. And he was literally in that sense dead. Anything that separates you from your blessing, separates you from your joy, is dead. So if you want to avoid life's dead ends, choose the freeway, not the tollway, because the wages of sin you have to pay. It's death, but the gift of God. We were in Dallas for a pastor's conference. This never happened to me before when I rented a car. But I think it's because of what's happening with infrastructure in Dallas and Fort Worth area. That now what renters provide for you is the option that when you rent your car, you can also purchase a little device that if you go through a toll, if you have that device in your window, you don't have to pay. In fact, you don't even have to stop because most of the tollways have special lanes. If you got this special pass, and other cities do it as well, what I thought was interesting is that the rental cars would have this device. You don't have to pull over at a cash-only station when you're going from one point to the other and pay for a toll. All you got to do is make sure you have the device in the windshield of your car. And when you roll up to a toll station, you just pull on over into the express lane and keep riding down the road. Some of us, we've been pulled over because we've chosen the toll way rather than the freeway. I'm so glad that I know Jesus paid it all. And all to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. You see, on this journey of life, I'm going to run into some things that if I'm not careful, it'll stop me at a dead end. But because I know Jesus for myself, and I've got the past in the windshield of my life, 
Cancer might slow me down, but it won't stop me. Disappointment might slow me down, but it won't stop me. Failure might slow me down, but it won't and it can't stop me. Uh, there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I don't want to be on that road. I want to be on the road where Jesus is my captain. And he's my captain. Everything will be all right. He may not come when I want him, but he's always on time. Every now and then, my soul looked back and wonder how I got over. Didn't really think about it a whole lot in this context until I recognized that it's because when I was a little boy, I invited Jesus into my life. And there have been some things that have slowed me down, but I'm still walking, still marching, still talking, still running, still praising, still singing. I'm walking up to heaven. Or do I have a witness? One of these days, it won't be long. I'm going to reach the ultimate toll station, and it's called death. And death's going to say, he slipped through that, and he slipped through that, and I got him now. But I'm a witness this morning because I know him for myself. Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. I'll do I have a witness. Uh, if you had a dead end, uh, I invite you this morning uh, to take a U-turn and turn it over to Jesus uh, and he'll work it out. Uh, is there anybody here know what I'm talking about? Uh, you had a backpack uh, and it did not help you out. Uh, you put on a parachute uh, and that parachute is Jesus uh, and he helped you uh, to get to your destination. I'm so glad I know it for myself. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.